Today on CityCast Denver. It's been two years since Denver shut down for the coronavirus pandemic. Two years of uncertainty, fear, pain, and sorrow. But it wasn't all bad, right? Me, Xandra, Bree, and Peyton are all on the show today to look back at two years of whatever the heck this was and how it changed our city. Today is Friday, March 18th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver. We're back in the Lindy Zimmer studio at Westward downtown because it's Friday and normally on Fridays we get together in person to reflect on the news of the week. But today is a special day. It has been two years since Denver shut down for the pandemic and the city has changed a lot. Um, mostly in really tragic, upsetting ways, uh, but also in some interesting ways that I think none of us expected and even some good ways as well. So we're going to talk about it all and, and how our relationships with the city changed. Um, and we got the whole team together. So I want to start off with a question. You know, I think this is going to be one of my lingering memories of the pandemic, at least that early, early period. March 23rd, 2020, they call it the Denver Prohibition, the moment Mayor Michael Hancock said that dispensaries and liquor stores were going to shut down. Bree, I totally forgot about that. Our regular host, Bree Davis, is here. Bree, where were you? Where were you? When oh, you know, I was at home on Twitter watching it. Yeah. What, what, was, what was that feeling like? Do you remember that? It was just like funny for a minute. And then it was like, it set in like, this is a really bad idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. people were just all of a sudden, it was like, it was like watching a Black Friday sale mm -hmm. kind of happen where people were just like, and even my husband was like, oh, I got to get to the dispensary like yeah. right now. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Really? It was, it was interesting. It was like, we no one knew what was coming. It's true. It's true. Who I thought about, though, was like this, the bud tenders, the salespeople that sure. were going to be at the, be the face of this sudden onslaught of people on a weekday or whatever it was. So yeah, it was wild times. Where were you, Paul? Uh, in line. You um, were not. 100%. I was there. I heard the news and I thought, I'm going to want to stock up like everyone else. And it was a fun time hanging out in line with my fellow bros. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of um, the old days of waiting in line for tickets to concerts before you could do everything. Yeah. Um, online, you would meet up with people because you would be standing in line all day. And it is one of those rare moments when you get to talk to strangers for sometimes an extended period of time. Yeah. Yeah. March 23rd, 2020, Denver Mayor Michael Hancock announced all non-essential businesses would close starting at 5 p.m. Well, that order included marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores. And oh boy, did the floodgates open. Argonaut Liquor on Colfax reported that sales went up 300%. Lines were out the door. Producer Alexander McMahon is with us as well. Alexandra... Do you remember the, where, where were you? Where were you that fateful day? <laughs> During the prohibition. Yeah. Uh, I was also at home in Lakewood. I was still living in Lakewood at the time. And um, yeah, I can't remember why we didn't feel like a sense of urgency. I think maybe because we just happened to like go to the liquor store and we don't smoke weed. So it was like, we're like, okay, the dispensary's closing. That's not a big deal. But like the, yeah. we, we did drink. And so I was like, I think we must have just gone to the liquor store a few days before and felt like, well, yeah, we have enough. We're, We're okay. Yeah. So we didn't rush out. And But yeah, similar to you, Brie, I was watching it unfold on Twitter and I was like, <laughs> wow. And then, you know, 
I love, I still want one of the shirts that was made. Like I survived yeah. Denver Prohibition 2020. I, I want one of those, even though I wasn't a part of it, but it was just, I well, love you that survived. they were making t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone wear one? I've never seen one out in the wild. Um, I don't know. I've just seen pictures on the internet, actually. Now that I think about it, I've never seen one in the wild, but I yeah. hope to one day. Uh, newsletter writer Peyton Garcia joins us as well. Peyton, 3 to 5 p.m., March 23rd, 2020. Where were you? I was trapped in a hostel in uh, Cusco, Peru. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just casual. Yeah. That's different. I mean, you want to tell us about that? I know there's a story there. <laughs> yeah, there there is a story. Um, we were traveling ab- abroad. Um, I I mean, I don't know how much you guys want me to get into it because it's a long story, but we were traveling abroad. Um, We'd gone off the grid for a few days to hike to Machu Picchu. When we came back, we found out um, that not only were things like shutting down here in Colorado, but um, they'd closed the borders to Peru. So we were stuck there. Uh, They closed the doors to our hostel. So we were stuck in our hostel and you guys are freaking out. At least you guys got a heads up. We were not allowed to have any alcohol at all while we were trapped boy um yeah it was punishable by jail time um they just didn't want people drunk well they they didn't want people drinking because they felt like it would encourage a um social atmosphere and they didn't (sighs) want people interacting so I kind of get that. That makes sense. That seems like that could turn bad. Yeah. Don't spread the virus. Your guard is down. And of course, like we had had bought when the one chance we had to go out to the store, we're like, oh my God, we're going to be stuck here for weeks. We should buy a bottle of vodka and, you know, at least enjoy our time while we're trapped. And um, they were like, if we find it, you will be arrested and you will face fines. So then Hmm. we just hid it in the bottom of our (laughs) bag and. Uh, waited it out. So mm-hmm. that's where I was. But I do remember um, seeing that all happen because our group chats with our friends back home were blowing up um, as they all panicked and ran to the dispensaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is one follow-up I have to ask, Peyton. Uh, which elected representatives did you send uh, emails and mm. letters to ask for mm. support to get you back home? Yeah. And who was the most responsive? Yeah. We did um, Corey Gardner. Michael Bennett and Jonah Goose. Those are who we reached out to. Um, And Jonah Goose was uh, by far the most helpful person. Past city guest, Denver guest, Jonah Goose. Yeah, he was very, um, well, it wasn't him. We didn't actually speak to any of them. We spoke to their aides, but their aides were all, his aide especially was extremely responsive, extremely helpful. She like gave me her phone number. She's like, you can text directly with me. And I want to say it was Corey Gardner's, aide who like was just like you're sol dude like totally <laughs> unresponsive um <laughs> if i hope i'm remembering that correctly but joe nagoose was especially helpful how hmm. long were you trapped there until you got to come home we were we were locked in the hostel for three weeks 21 days Ugh. oh my god and then after three weeks did you finally get to come we back did to yeah so we um we'd been traveling for four months down there and we were locked in the hostel without being able to leave for 21 days and then we managed to sneak onto a flight and come home so when you got back to denver eventually i mean for for the rest of us it was sort of like a gradual change the pandemic setting in realizing what our lives are going to be like at least for a while you know locked down in our homes for you it was like you left and it was normal and you came back and it was locked down so like tell me about your impressions you as much as you can remember about that I mean, the first thing I remember is it was just, it was a ghost town. Even just our ride from the airport 
back home there were no cars like no one was going anywhere and we we did end up staying in denver so we quarantined ourselves at uh, my husband's sister's apartment in Cherry Creek. And she she lives on the very top, like the 13th floor of this apartment building in Cherry Creek. And you have this really expansive view of Denver. And it was just crazy because it was just empty. It was just mm. a ghost town. And it was just such an eerie feeling. Um, it was just different. We came yeah. home to a completely different Denver. It was so surreal. Hmm. Two years, feels like a long time in some ways. Short yeah. time in other ways. Yeah. I can't keep track of anything. No, the, it's, it, the yeah, timeline it's, is so messed up. Like I was just trying to think, I couldn't remember if I was in the country for the George Floyd protests or if I was, everything's just a blur. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where <laughs> I was for what, you know. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. It's very hard for me to distinguish events from 2020 versus 2021 even. Yeah, even mm -hmm. though in 2021, like, early on we were all getting vaccinated but it was just, it's still it's just like the two years is just one one year yeah one long year hmm. um let's go to a uh, you know our big question here for the first half of the show uh we're gonna talk about the way that our our relationships with the city has changed and you know hopefully understand something about the way the city has changed through that Alexandra, let me let me start with you what's what is a way or you know, maybe even broadly, like how has your relationship with Denver changed in the last two years? It's it's hard for me to like point to specific events or like buildings that have gone away or places that have gone away or like changes like that. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's just like this like feeling like deep down in my stomach about like how I view the city, how I view community. And I think that has changed. It's taken a lot of turns in the last two years. Like I think when the pandemic set in, yeah, it like you were saying, it was very gradual for people who were in Denver. You know, I think, um, and I was working at CPR at the time, so I was in a fast-paced newsroom, daily newsroom. You know, we're churning out content, um, and I don't think any of us realized like how much this was going to become a part, like a focal point of our coverage until like the middle of March. Mm. <laughs> like we had teams covering the early, early months of the pandemic, like January and February, like before it had come to Colorado, mm -hmm. they were monitoring it. But, um, you know, I think once it hit and set in, it was like, there was this great feeling of camaraderie and like the community coming together. And like, you know, I just think back to like 8 p.m. howls and things like that for healthcare oh workers, you know, like when we were all doing things like that. Howl. I know. But then there was also this weird tension happening too of like, especially where I was in Lakewood, you know, I think that there's um, a larger conservative population in, in that part of Lakewood. It was really far west Lakewood, like near mm -hmm. Colorado Mills off of West Colfax and Sims. And I remember going to the grocery store in those early days and like 
there was so much tension between people who wanted to wear masks and thought it was really important and people who were still resisting and thinking like, this is, this is a conspiracy. This isn't really a real thing. This is being blown out of proportion. And so there was this weird, like, when I think about how Denver's changed or how my relationship with Denver's changed, I just think I view people differently, if that makes sense. Hmm. And like my feelings about like community and like, coming together and then also divisiveness. It's just, it's weird. It's like these two parts of my brain that it's like I have a hard time reconciling or like putting them together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Bree, what, what do you think about that? You know, your relationship with your community or like the way that you engage with the city? Well, the, the night that the NBA she said it was shutting down was the same night Tom Hanks said he had COVID. Um, it was like one of those just moments where you were like, oh, this is really changing our lives. And that night I was doing a talk for MCA Denver with my friend and past guest Keith Garcia at Tom's Diner about the history of Colfax. And since then, Tom's Diner has closed. Um and it still exists. It will becoming something, be becoming something else. But it just, it sort of like pushed me to realize that cities change all the time. And it's a constant conversation here. But I think it's a constant conversation in other cities as well. It's not unique to Denver. But it's something that people like me have had a hard time grappling with. And I think the pandemic forced me to say this is just a part of our lives whether pandemic or not pandemic just the pandemic just accelerated yeah that sense of change in our built environment especially mm -hmm. um and it just forced me into some sense of acceptance in a way that i'm still trying to figure out how i feel about it hmm. Hmm. yeah that accelerating feeling of some aspects of life. I mean, in some ways it's like the way the economy shifted, like everybody's values changed a little bit. And so some things that were already going just like really, really started going like working remote. Like now everybody does it. Maybe ordering, we were trending that way anyway, but. Ordering things online. I'll be honest with you, pre-pandemic, yeah. I never ordered anything online. Once a year, maybe if I absolutely needed something. Yeah. I don't, because I was such a like vocal supporter of shopping in person. I worked retail for so long. Yeah. I do everything online now. Yeah. It's completely changed me. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me of something that is like a really positive change that I wanted to flag about uh, the way that Denver has changed because of the pandemic. Transparency, like of our government processes has, has been way better because all of these important like city council meetings happen online now and they've said that they're going to keep doing that indefinitely that means that they're more accessible for more people to attend and participate in and we've seen some like really discrete specific changes that have come as a direct result of that i'm thinking of the case of sean and ben johnson who wanted to build an adu for sean's disabled mom they showed up to city council meetings every week and put their names down to speak about their case. And in a year, they made a change. They got that zoning board that they had been fighting with reformed as a result of their civic engagement. And I think that that happened in part because of this change born by the pandemic. And that's cool. You know, how often do we use clips from 
public meetings on the show right. all the time. And we can do that because it's online. It's easy to pull. We don't have to go down to the city council on Monday night specifically. Well, and it's all about access. The pandemic, this has been a larger conversation, but especially like uh, my friends with disabilities will tell you, we've been advocating for this for decades to let us have remote access in certain ways for people that physically cannot be in spaces or those spaces are not made for them. But it also speaks to the social, um, these unspoken social aspects. Like I wrote a piece a couple years ago actually for Denverite about my experience of going to city council and speaking. Hmm. It was daunting. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, you have to be able to get off work in time. Um, second of all, you have to be willing to walk into a room full of people and speak into a microphone, not something everybody does every day. You have to know the social, what is socially acceptable in that space or how you're supposed to act, the things you're supposed to do and say or not do and say. It's a very formal environment. And I think that that makes it inaccessible in a lot of senses. So this ability to go totally online has cut all that bullshit out and said, okay, if you want to be part of the civic process, which some people will say has made it less effective, I think it's just made it more accessible for people. Or I think about folks like me who have a baby. Yeah, I'm not going to drag a baby down to city council, but will I speak at city council from my home with my baby on my lap? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Peyton, tell me more about your relationship with the city, how it's changed. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Before I left to travel, um, I worked in Denver. I was here every single day. I made the drive down from Louisville into Denver. I felt very much ingrained in the Denver um, journalism scene. Not not so much so with um, like news journalism, because at that time I was managing Dining Out Magazine, but I was very much involved in the local food scene. Mm-hmm. I was going to new restaurants three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I was meeting up with other journalists and writers in the community. I felt like I had a pulse on the city. I was taking walks downtown. And then I realized like, then I left, right? And I traveled for a while. And when I came back, I didn't have a job for almost over a year because no one was hiring. We had anticipated we would be traveling for at least a year. And then we came back and we had quit our jobs. So we had nothing. Um, So we spent kind of a year and a half floating around in the abyss outside of Denver. And then when I came back and I did get a job um, here at CityCast, I was able to kind of connect with Denver, but even then it was remotely. Um, now thinking about it, I don't feel like I've ever been able to, I have not yet been able to reestablish that connection that I, I used to have when I was here every day, going to restaurants, meeting up with writers, meeting up with photographers, ha- making those connections because I left and not only when I came back was Denver physically different, but the community changed and I know it was just two years, but so much can happen in two years. And I lost that connection to the city because I'm not here every day anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been really weird trying to, to reestablish that connection, especially remotely. Yeah. I mean, I guess I will add though, like it did give an opportunity to get more connected to your neighborhood, you know, because like you, I was out in Lakewood, which is not as far as Louisville, but like, it's still like 15, 20 minutes outside the city. And we would come to the city a lot more before the pandemic to like meet up with friends and go out to bars and do bar crawls and things like that. But you know, all that stopped. So then it was like, we were finding things like 
oh, let's just walk around our neighborhood, like, like in the like, you know, three block radius. And like, we found like cool parks that we had never been to before. So like there were, it was like discovering something beautiful that's like right in your backyard, which I mean, I guess we might not have done if the pandemic had not forced us to. That was, that was my experience of the first probably, I mean, the lockdown was me and my wife every day. We would just go on walks like one, maybe twice a day even just get to know every band in the Cherry Creek. I, I, that was what I really, well, I've gone through phases with the Cherry Creek over the time that I've lived here, but like that, that period and specifically that one stretch between Quebec and Iliff that we did the episode about last summer where they're re like they're reshaping the Creek and they're growing new, uh, plants and stuff on the, on the banks. Like that part has been, I feel like I've been growing with that project. Like that's for me, that's the piece of the city that I, I think about when I think about the pandemic. We did the same thing. I think um, my brother-in-law came to live with us for a month because uh, after the pandemic hit and he came out like the first week of April, he lives in New York City and there was just nowhere to go or be. If you're in New York City, you have roommates, like he was just trapped. So he said, can I come stay with you? And we were like, yeah, sure. So he came and stayed with us. Also, funny enough, he got off the airplane and took his clothes off and threw them in the trash because it was that what? moment when we didn't know oh right? how things were spreading. And we were like wiping down our grocery our bags. Yes. yes. Mm. So, so weird. he had like just clothes on he meant to throw away. But he also was really, you know, we have a small house, a 600 square foot house. He was very set on getting outside every day and doing some form of exercise. And it really energized my husband and I to do the same and we ended up riding our bikes all over and again the streets being shut down was like this I get it this utopian vision of what it's like when the streets belong to people it was lovely and I live in a high traffic area um so we did this we rode our bikes like we took every trail that's in the city we Mm. did the Cherry Creek Trail like really far we went all the way to Bear you know we did Bear Creek like it was so it felt like summer or winter break as a kid when your days were not uh, focused on work, when you were like, okay, so today we're going to get up and we're going to ride our bikes and then we're going to, you know, you know, just like the kid stuff you do, we kind of did as adults. Mm -hmm. And I miss that. That was really nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. We called it our early retirement because we had, (laughs) we had, right. We had left and we traveled for, you know, X amount of months. And then we came back and we couldn't find a job and we're like, well, you know, that's fine. We'll just hang out until then. So we Hmm. road tripped all over the place. We went to like all these different state parks. We went, we were camping. I mean, we just went like four or five weeks on end where we were just driving from state to state, just camping in our tent, wherever we could pop it up. And I mean, so it was like, it was That's great. That's the way to do the pandemic. Dang. Was I, I mean, the only were... one who was like slaving away, covering the news? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. 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 I was working in journalism at that time. Thank I you, Alexandra, for keeping job. those of us who were exploring the country yeah. informed on And having happening. your summer break. Oh, that, that said, it was really hard to come back to work after oh, two still. years of partying. Yeah. I will say, while you all were off having your little mini retirements, there was no traffic. And so the one day a week that I did still 
still have to go into the newsroom because I was still going into the newsroom sometimes during the pandemic. Anyways, there was no traffic, uh, but that did bite me in the butt one day because I because there was no traffic. I would fly down six sometimes. <laughs> and it's the only time I've ever gotten a speeding ticket because there was a bunch of cops who probably were desperate for speeding tickets because they're like, who are we going to give Nobody. speeding tickets to? Here's this chick in a bright red car flying down six. Let's pull her over. <laughs> Yeah, it reminded me of old Denver yeah. in the sense that like we just weren't as we didn't have as much traffic because there just mm-hmm. weren't as many people. And and not to say that that's better or worse, but when I did go out in my car, which wasn't that much because I was working from home, I was like, whoa, it's like a weird it was genuinely a like flashback to a different time. Mm hmm. The views of the mountains. Remember that? Yeah, everything smog. was clear. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! So yeah, true. that was insane. I that think. Weird. I think that's something that I'm going to miss about that time is that feeling of possibility of like great change coming rapidly. Mm-hmm. It feels like we've kind of people's minds have shifted back into the old way of like that scale of change isn't really possible anymore. But there was that moment. You're right. Where we thought, and I think you bring this up with the um, like city council stuff is like all the things we were told weren't possible suddenly were possible. Yeah. Um, and then how quickly we forgot about that possibility. Yeah. We, we could have it. It's just our choices that's yeah. shaping the world around us. It's yeah. just our choices. We could make different ones. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Let's talk about you know, what, what are those aspects of the past two years, like the way that our lives changed, the way that the city changed, that we want to keep with us as things return to whatever normal was more and more? What are those things that we want to keep with us? Peyton, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, something I think that has changed in the last two years that I think we should continue to have a focus on is mental health um, and not just in the workplace, not just in um, legislature, but just among our peers too. I feel like it's become so much more okay to talk about when you're not okay. Um, people check in more. People ask you how you're feeling. It's 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 more commonplace to, to say you're feeling depressed or you're feeling anxious. And I think that the pandemic brought mental health to the forefront for students and teachers and frontline workers um, in ways that we never did before, even though it's something that people have been calling for for a very, very, very long time. I don't know if I had made that connection before that this, like the opening up of the conversation around mental health stemmed from the pandemic, but I think you're right. I really do think that has been in the last two years because it's unavoidable. I mean, it's just been so hard for so many people. You can't hold it in all the time. Yeah. Before the pandemic, I had never worked in a place that consider, and CPR made this change too, but it it considered uh, mental health days as part of your sick days. Like you could take a sick day and tell your boss, like I'm not like physically ill. I just am having a bad mental health day. And that counts as a sick day. Right. You don't have to lie about right. having the runs. You can say, <laughs> I'm not feeling good. Seriously, pay. I need time. I've totally done that. Maybe I did also oh have the God. runs or I was depressed. Or I was, we never we never know. You could be both. But yeah, so 
I agree with you, Peyton, that that change only happened because the pandemic forced us to confront things and forced us, and it just affected everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Xander, how about you? What's what's something from the pandemic that you want to keep around? You want to bring with you into the future? Okay, I have one that's like really niche, but like, and like not Denver specific, but. Um, I really think that going forward, if you're sick and public, we should keep wearing masks. I'm not saying that everyone has to wear masks at all times and all public spaces, but you know, I just think about how like countries like China have been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. where it's just like socially acceptable to like wear masks if you're not feeling well. And I'm like, why was America just this disgusting cesspool where we were just like, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I'm gonna cough all over you on this bus and it's fine. It's just totally appropriate. And, or like, you know, uh, newsrooms are disgusting places because it's all open concept. And so when one reporter gets sick, everybody gets sick. And it was just, again, this normal accepted thing of like, eh, it's flu season, we're all gonna get it. Mm. It's like, why is this? This does not need to be the case. We can go forward and learn from this and say, no, if you're sick, you need to stay home or you need to work from home or Mm -hmm. no, you need to wear a mask. It's okay. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think the masks are going anywhere. Yeah, I think that is probably a good thing. I mean, when you're sick, it's polite, you know? If you're not sick enough that you have to stay home or you're incapacitated and you can still go out, like, great, wear one, good. Brie, do you have one? Something you want to Are you gonna talk about open streets? I was, yeah, okay. but let's talk about no, it. No, 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 no. I want you to talk about it. I'll talk about something else. Okay, well, I mean, I'll, I'll go then. The fact that the city of Denver, like, as a as an emergency precaution to help restaurants uh, and local businesses shut down streets and permitted outdoor dining and have now decided to keep some of those things permanent. Outdoor dining, I think, is permanent. Some of the streets have gone back to letting cars on them. But those, those things of, like, opening up our businesses more and just uh, and allowing you know people to use the city in different ways um i loved that during the pandemic and the fact that some of that is sticking around like outdoor dining specifically that's such a great experience i don't know peyton you probably have thoughts on this but i mean yeah it happened and i was like why have we not been doing this this whole time it's good for the patrons it's good for the restaurant owners I, yeah it's just it's, it's a no brainer yeah I enjoyed, the, again, the cycling aspect. I loved when there were whole closed streets, like, you know, 11th was closed for many blocks. Um, so you could ride your bike without cars being around you. And I think as a person that has gone in and out of being a bike rider, I've talked about this before. One of the most helpful things to get me on my bicycle was riding with somebody else that taught me how to ride in traffic. And when you didn't have to ride with traffic, it was like another world. It didn't Mm. even feel like Denver. It was so great. And we, you know, I live on the west side and we would, you know, ride on a Wednesday night down to City Park. And then it was just like so stress-free. Again, cyclists will tell you this over and over again. The city looks different on a bicycle. It really does. But when you're not fighting against cars it feels different and i just miss that that dedication even if it was like five routes in the city now that we closed down actual streets i would love it if they did that but it's not Hmm. they've added these roundabouts and left those and (laughs) yeah those are pointless to me they don't work there's there's some more to be done there well some of it is stuck around and um we'll enjoy that those parts yeah uh so, Brie, yeah. what's something that you want to keep with us? 
Um, that sometimes Denver. new Denver can do really good things for old Denver. Okay. I like this. talking about a little place called Casa Bonita. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But seriously, right? It was like, oh, God, Casa Bonita's closed. First jolt of mm-hmm. the pandemic. Like, oh, my God. It's, it's, is it, it going to be closed for good? Is it going to be Is this the it, end? It was doubtful it was ever going to recover. Yes. It looked bad. Bankruptcy, uh, you know, unpaid people, unpaid workers. Like, oh, no. And then, you know... Um, there was a local group trying to save it. I think they were admirable. We talked to, um, oh my God. Andrew Novick, Danny and, Newman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked to those guys. Both legit Denver boosters would want to do something wonderful with it. And I, I think their intentions were great. However, in this case, I think we ended up with the best option, which was some serious financial backing stepped in. And there's something about old Denver where sometimes it's a little dingy and gross. And it needs a little new Denver love. And I think we're going to get that in the new Casa Bonita, the Casa Bonita 2.0 that they've really promised to not. What did Dina Rodriguez say? Change Change. nothing, improve everything. Yes. And it's such a prime example of a moment in Denver where something drastic has happened and it's for the better. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be more open to opportunities like that us curmudgeonly old Denverites like myself need to be more open to opportunities where new money and new people want to do something different with the things that we love and it could possibly make them better. Well, I think that's a really lovely note to end on. I mean, Casa Bonita 2.0, born during the pandemic, that's going to be the post-pandemic phase that we're in, the the era of Casa Bonita 2.0. Thank you all so much for joining me. Listeners, one more reminder Jad Abumrad is coming to town next month, April 17th. He's going to be at the Paramount Theater. He founded Radiolab. It's a great podcast that you've probably heard a bunch of episodes of because it's so interesting and provocative. And we've got two free tickets to give away, and we want to give them to you. All you got to do is write a review of this show, CityCast Denver, on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, and then take a screenshot of that review. Send it to us. We're going to pick a winner on April 1st that weekend so get it to us by april 1st we'll pick a winner and get you your tickets to see jad abumrad on april 17th at the paramount that's all for the week here on citycast denver our producers this week were me paul caroli and Alexander mcmahon peyton garcia writes our morning newsletter our regular host is brie davies our music is by los mocochetes with additional mixing by tyler lindgren If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCastDenver and tell a friend about us the next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Have a great weekend. Good? We happy? Yeah, I think that's fine. I know. I was like, you know what I can do? I can bring this back to Casa Manina. Brilliant.